Hello, my name is Dr. Paul Wheatley-Price. I'm a medical oncologist at the Ottawa Hospital and immediate past president of Lung Cancer Canada. Welcome to our podcast series called Lung Cancer Voices. In this series, I'll be interviewing patients, caregivers, healthcare professionals, and some of the leading lung cancer researchers in the country and indeed in the world to highlight important and relevant issues facing those affected by lung cancer. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Lung Cancer Voices podcast, which is our Best of ASCO annual uh, pod. ASCO is the major oncology conference that happens each year, and it was just a week or so ago, uh, or a week or so before we recorded this in Chicago, and about 50,000 oncologists and other cancer specialists and scientists descend upon the Windy City for uh, this uh, huge event. And I think probably about another 50,000 people were in Chicago for the series of Taylor Swift concerts, which were happening around the same time. And I know some of my colleagues snuck away from the scientific symposia to go to uh, listen at uh, Soldier Field, the, uh, the Chicago Bears Stadium. But we're gonna talk about things which are maybe a bit more consequential than a pop concert, which are the the, the highlights of uh, for lung cancer from, from the meeting. And to help me do that, I'm joined by two of my colleagues in Canada, uh, Dr. Parneet Chima, who's uh, previously been a guest on the, on the podcast. Dr. Chima is the Director of Cancer Care and a medical oncologist at the William Osler Health System in Brampton, Ontario. And Dr. Shantanu Banerjee making his debut on the podcast, which, which I was shocked by and feel a bit embarrassed that I've not invited him on before. Shantanu is an associate professor at the University of Manitoba and a medical oncologist there in Winnipeg at Cancer Care Manitoba. So uh, Ponit and Shantanu, it's all very informal on this podcast, first names only. Welcome to Lung Cancer Voices. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Shantanu, did you do anything fun in Chicago? Nice dinners, good restaurants? As is often the case with Chicago, based on the timing of the conference, I celebrate my wedding anniversary there. So I was fortunate to have my wife join me uh, for a couple of nights. Very nice. Very nice. Pani, you were telling me you were taking in some Chicago comedy. Yes, and catching up with friends and networking. And it's been, it was nice to go back to ASCO after three years. Doing it virtually just isn't the same. Yeah, and for those who are listening, think that we go to Chicago and it's just a big, big party. I should tell you that most of us are putting in like 12-hour days at the meeting, at the, the conference, and then research meetings and stuff outside. But, you know, try to sneak off to do something fun. Right. So what we, the way we're going to do this is each one of us has, has sort of selected one of the, the major announcements about uh, lung cancer. Or, or in my case, mesothelioma. And so we're, we're gonna to touch on, on those. And then um, at the end, I'm gonna ask uh, uh, Dr. Chima and Dr. Banerjee for their sort of other highlights, if you like, of, of other things that uh, piqued their interest. So Pani, I'm gonna to come to you first and we're gonna talk about the Adora study, which, which was really important and it made its way onto this presidential session, which is the, like it's the biggest platform, only the most successful studies get onto this Sunday afternoon uh, reserved spot. So maybe you could introduce us to Adora and what was that study and, and why was it so important this year? 
Yeah, thanks, Paul. The Adora study was, as you mentioned, one of the big highlights of the meeting. And the reason being for it had updated data. We'd seen data in the past around this trial, but it actually showed overall survival data this, at this uh, presentation. So just to recap, so as we all know, non-small cell lung cancer, the most common type of lung cancer we see, is made up of a lot of different small cancers driven by different biomarkers. So one important biomarker is called EGFR, and about 15% of all comers in patients that have a type of lung non-small cell lung cancer will have this mutation. So the reason why this mutation is important, as we know, in stage four disease, we've been targeting this mutation and treating advanced stage lung cancer for almost a decade now, more than a decade now. And this has shown to improve outcomes for patients living with lung cancer. Now, the reason why the ADORA study is so important is, is, is bringing that type of therapy to the earlier stage setting. So can we cure more patients if we give it to patients that have had early stage disease? So the ADORA trial looked at patients that had resected lung cancer stage one to three. And Resected, i.e. they've had an operation, the tumor's out of their body. Correct, yeah. So they went to the surgeon, they've had their tumors removed, and then now it's it's looking at options of chemotherapy, but then other options such as something called targeted therapy, which is a drug called ozomertinib. So this trial looked at giving ozomertinib as a targeted pill once a day for three years wow. versus placebo. We'd already seen a little bit of this data in the past, and this was some, uh, where we found that by doing this, we delayed the recurrence of patients' lung cancer by a significant amount, about 70% reduction during that period of time of lung cancer coming back. But we want to know if, if we're curing more patients, or are we making people live longer? And Pani, just before you get on to the results of that, that we should just maybe explain this as an important distinction in delaying recurrence is not necessarily the same as a cure. And the, the concern, wasn't it, from the previous results was, yes, the, there was this 70% reduction in us seeing cancers recur, but there was just a slight concern that we were kind of kicking the can down the road and the cancers were bound to recur at some point. And all we were doing was delaying it with this drug. And then we couldn't use the drug again when the recurrence had happened because we'd already like burned that bridge. And the question that you were we, we were getting at this conference was, was, were we just kicking the can down the road or were we taking the can off the road and people were being cured? Is that, is that how you? Yeah, that's it? right. So, so if in, in lung cancer, we generally look at five years to say what happened at five years to determine if we've cured someone with lung cancer, because generally lung cancers don't tend to recur after five years. And so this data looked at the overall survival, and it was quite a remarkable improvement of overall survival. There was about a 50% reduction in death at five years by being yeah. on osmerinib for the first three years. And interestingly, what we were concerned about that was over time, once you stop the pill, that maybe the benefit would decrease, but it seemed like the benefit was sustained. So I think what we're going to need is more follow-up to see if we are curing more patients, as you mentioned, Paul, or were we just delaying the chance of recurrence later down the road? Yeah. However, Let's I will, see. sorry, sorry, yeah. go ahead. I will say that either way, it's an important outcome. Delaying recurrence significantly by years has important outcomes in terms of, you know, yeah. risk of morbidities and side effects of having uh, lung cancer. So yeah. more to come on how many patients we are curing. I think that's going to happen as we watch the data come through. But I think the key thing is, is that by giving the treatment for three years, we certainly improve outcomes for patients. And it's, it's the thing to do. It's yeah. the right thing. 
So, so Pani, since the meeting, you know, we've had, we've been in other meetings and Shantanu and I were in another meeting actually at the end of, at the end of ASCO where we were discussing this. And, you know, it seemed like some oncologists were kind of expecting a really good result and that we were going to see this reduction in people dying, like improving cure rates. And other people seem a bit surprised by the results. So I just wondered, were you, I mean, I think we're all, if we were surprised, we're all pleasantly surprised, but were you, were you expecting it to be this good or, or not? I was concerned about it being not as, as great as it was because the, once the drug was stopped, when we looked at the recurrence curves, they seemed to come be coming together a little bit. So I was concerned initially, but again, as you mentioned, it's a pleasant surprise that I, in my mind, I thought it was better than expected. I know some of my colleagues were hoping yeah. for more, but okay. in lung cancer world, I don't think we've ever seen survival numbers like this in yeah. terms of what's changed practice. No, I, I agree. So just to put the cherry on top of this one, it, EGFR lung cancers that are caught at an early stage and can be surgically removed, this course of osimertinib uh, not only dramatically reduces the risk of a recurrence, but seems to be permanently taking away the risk in a proportion of patients. And this 50% improvement or 50% reduction in the risk of death is, is really unparalleled in lung cancer. And then the other good news, of course, is this is available in Canada and it's already available and it's funded, publicly funded uh, across the country. And we're one of the first nations actually to have this drug approved and funded. So so really good news for uh, EGFR lung cancer. Well, thanks, Pani, for taking us through Adora. We're going to sort of, Shantanu, is, we're going to switch, but kind of stay in the same field in that we're going to still talk about early stages of lung cancer where surgery is is a treatment but we're going to move away from targeted therapies and into the immunotherapy world so frequent listeners to the pod will will have learned about immunotherapy but Shantanu maybe you could just sort of touch before we get to ASCO maybe you could just touch on um briefly on immunotherapy and what it is and where we are. And there's been some studies in the last couple of years that sort of set the context for ASCO. Could you kind of give us a background first? Sure. So um, to, to this point, our greatest experience with immunotherapy has been in what we call the advanced stage setting. So patients who have unfortunately uh, developed or presented with metastatic disease. And in that context, we know that either immunotherapy used by itself or in combination with treatments like chemotherapy, these have really uh, had made huge advancements in terms of extending the survival uh, and quality of life of our patients with advanced stage disease. The way immunotherapy works and, and how I describe it uh, to my patients is that essentially uh, lung cancers uh, find a way to hide themselves from the immune system. And essentially by giving what we call immune checkpoint inhibitors or antibody drugs that can interfere with either, basically interfere with, with the interaction between cancer cells and the immune system, the camouflage that the cancer cells use to hide from the immune system are essentially removed. And that gives our immune system an opportunity to try and attack the cancer cells and control the cancer long-term. And so we've used this in the advanced disease setting. And, and, and again, uh, what we see fairly consistently is about 
20% of patients uh, seem to derive long-term uh, benefit. And so with many of our treatments, such as uh, the EGFR example that Parneet just spoke about, the next question we as kind of a medical oncology community ask is, what is the advantage of introducing these therapies that work in the advanced setting? Can we bring them into the earlier settings or earlier stages of disease and perhaps uh, improve upon cure rates? So one of the first examples in this space has been the use of what we call adjuvant therapy or treatment that's given after the surgery is done. So similar to the uh, Adora example, uh, patients who come in with early stage lung cancer will undergo surgical treatment by the thoracic surgeon. They'll then get referred to the medical oncologist. In most cases, we will offer what's called adjuvant chemotherapy or chemo after the surgery. Recently, we, we had a clinical trial that showed if you gave immunotherapy uh, after the chemotherapy was complete, uh, you increase the likelihood of the patients being cured. And this was compared to placebo. So we know in the, the surgical population that the addition of immunotherapy improved upon cure rates. Right. And, and just to jump in there, Shantanu, so that's the, that's the drug atezolizumab, or Correct. otherwise known as uh, Tecentric. And that has now also just to put on my sort of access that's been approved by Health Canada. It's been approved by our health technology assessment process. Uh, it's been approved from price negotiation perspective, and it's now publicly funded, not in all provinces yet, but uh, it's in your province, I think, already, and in Quebec and uh, some other provinces. Ontario, we're, st we're still waiting for it. But. So that's, that's so that's adjuvant. Okay, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah, so that's the adjuvant setting. One of the uh, really exciting things that's come in, I guess, the the last year and a bit is this whole idea of neoadjuvant. So for, again, patients where surgery is being considered for their lung cancer, so they're an early enough stage that a surgeon feels they could go in and remove the lung cancer. Instead of giving all the chemotherapy and immunotherapy after the surgery, there's a concept of neoadjuvant therapy, which is giving the chemotherapy combined with immunotherapy for several cycles before the surgery. And this neoadjuvant approach has been uh, quite remarkable for a couple of reasons. One, when the surgeon goes in and removes the cancer, and then the pathologist then examines what's left under the microscope, when you add the immunotherapy onto chemotherapy, it seems like fewer patients have residual cancer at the time of surgery, at least compared to chemotherapy alone. Sorry, so you mean that those cycles of chemotherapy and immunotherapy before surgery, in some cases, are completely eradicating the cancer. So when the operation happens, there's no living cancer cells seen. Correct, at least in the tissue yeah. that was removed. Now, uh, again, in those types of studies, it's hard to say, is there tissue elsewhere that we perhaps haven't picked up with the tools available yeah. to us? But at least in the surgical tissue that was removed, when the pathologist expects to see some residual cancer, the likelihood of seeing that goes down when you add the immunotherapy to right. the chemotherapy. And then 
Canadian access hat on again. So that that is nivolumab with chemotherapy. So that's one of the the other immunotherapy drugs. It's four or five main ones, and that has also been approved by Health Canada and the health technology assessment process. And just at the end of May, a successful price negotiation happened. So we're anticipating this being listed and available in provinces any time. And I don't know, maybe you already have it in Manitoba. We, we, we don't yet. We're, we're taking advantage of what's called the Compassionate Access Program, right. um, which I believe many centers across the country are also doing. Yeah. And actually, you know, just a note on that for, for patients who want to get involved. So Lung Cancer Canada has successfully advocated for the, the company that makes that drug to expand their, uh, to, to link, uh, prolong their access program. So we can use it for longer now until the public funding kicks in. Okay, so I think that's, I think, set the scene and people might be familiar with this. So early stage lung cancer, if you've got an EGFR mutation, we're going to do the Adora route with osimertinib that Parnit's explained to us. But if you don't have those mutations or a couple of other ones, immunotherapy, you can give afterwards within as atezolizumab, or you can give before with nivolumab. But now, now we get to ASCO when we get back to Chicago, there's now some studies which are looking at doing both. So you have it before and after. And that was one of the highlights of the meeting, I think. For sure. So the one piece I, I didn't mention with sort of that neoadjuvant approach is that what we also saw with that trial, although the numbers were smaller, is that patients who got the combination therapies uh, live longer. So there was an overall survival advantage. And so we're, we're seeing a situation where the neoadjuvant combination approach has an overall survival advantage. Adding a drug like a TISO after chemotherapy also has an overall survival advantage. So now we've got new trials that have been uh, designed that are sort of taking a combination of the approaches. So essentially patients are getting randomized to chemotherapy alone before surgery versus perhaps further chemotherapy after the surgery or a combination of chemotherapy plus immunotherapy before surgery and then continuing on with that immunotherapy after the surgery. And this, uh, this has been done in various combinations. It's been done with various drugs. At ASCO this year, it was specifically uh, done with a, with a drug called pembrolizumab, which uh, many people might be familiar with in different settings. So again, uh, what we see now is, is a combination of findings. We see that the addition of immunotherapy to the chemotherapy increases the likelihood of what are called uh, major pathologic responses, so not being able to see the residual cancer at the time of surgery. And again, overall survival in that group seems to also be better. So we have, we have a number of different studies demonstrating the approach, which is super exciting because it gives us lots of options. The downside right now is as a community, it's, it's, it's a bit confusing as to which is the best way to go. Is the best approach just the chemotherapy and the immunotherapy before the surgery? Is the best approach surgery followed by chemotherapy and immunotherapy? Or is the best approach giving the chemotherapy and immunotherapy right. and giving the immunotherapy after. And while all of those are, are possibilities, we don't know which of those approaches is the best way to go right now. Right. Yeah, great. 
that, that's a great great overview of, of the situation so that this was the keynote 671 study if people wanted to look it up of the pembrolizumab uh we call it perioperative where you get the immunotherapy each side of the operation maybe Parneet, i'm just going to put you on the spot here because you're arranging a meeting in ontario after the summer aren't you you're bringing together leaders in the field to try and uh, to try and figure this out what's your goal for that meeting and what are you what are you hoping that we'll learn as a community because there's all of this data coming in and and it's a lot to kind of figure out what's best for our patients that's right and, and yes it's uh the early uh, the ontario early lung cancer forum that will be in september with all the sites in ontario um invited to come and participate and really to discuss what we what dr Banerjee was talking about which approach is best for which patient? And I think that the key thing here is that we have multiple approaches and we and each patient is different. So a different approach may be appropriate, but also highlighting the fact that there's a bit of change of practice to be giving treatment before surgery now. Um, we're used to giving it after yeah. surgery. So there's a bit of a mind change that we need to do to get the referrals to oncologists before surgeons. So getting that all that data out there is important to everybody that cares for patients with lung cancer. Yeah. That's a good point. And because people, I think sometimes, you know, we think, oh, there's a new treatment, we can just do it, particularly like once it's funded. But actually, healthcare is so complicated and so complex, so many moving parts. And for someone going for an operation, it's not just going to meet the surgeon and then booking an operating room at the time. It's you have to have, uh, you know, cardiac testing and lung function testing and blood tests and all sorts of additional tests and specialists and parts of the hospital that are moving to make that happen. And if we're then suddenly changing the system, it's it's complex, so it's a great point. So let's just kind of close off our early stage uh, section, but I think, you know, really exciting for EGFR positive lung cancer, and now immunotherapies is here to stay, improving survival rates and cure rates in early stage lung cancer as well. If people are listening uh, who have ALK lung cancer, there's a trial of early stage ALK drugs coming soon. I'm going to, Shantanu, you had another another point? Before we leave sort of this early stage lung cancer, I just wanted to bring up the point that I think this is hopefully a group that we'll be seeing more and more of, particularly with the introduction of the screening programs across the country. Yeah. And so that's where, you know, Lung Cancer Canada has been very helpful in, in sort of moving that agenda along. And I know there's still variability across jurisdictions, but I hope that moves forward. Yeah, actually, that's a great, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah. So actually, people could go back and listen to the pod episode with Dr. Stephen Lamb, who's our kind of national hero when it comes to uh, lung cancer screening and has led lung cancer screening efforts. Uh, and there are programs now in British Columbia, in parts of Ontario. It's not it's not uh, uh, comprehensive. Uh, Nova Scotia's announced a program. Quebec's got a pilot. Various other things going on as as well. But if screening happens, then yet more people will be diagnosed at an early stage, and then more people then would have access to these treatments. And I'm going to kind of take the chair's prerogative to talk about my favorite study from from ASCO, because it was one that I was involved in. And in fact, I say I was involved in, but as Canada, we were leaders in. And it's a slight shift away from non-small cell lung cancer to mesothelioma, which we don't often talk about on the podcast. We have maybe just once or twice before. Mesothelioma is, is a cancer of the lining of the lung or the pleura, and it's commonly related to uh, an exposure to asbestos. 
uh, and you know for many years uh, asbestos was was Canada's white gold and it was mined in many places in um, Atlantic Canada and Quebec in fact there's the town of asbestos in Quebec and um, the fibers migrate yeah, they get in, inhaled or ingested sometimes and they kind of migrate over years years decades even out to the lining and they can cause this cancer mesothelioma which is quite rare about 500 people a year get mesothelioma and that's compared to say 25,000 women who get breast cancer or 30,000 people in Canada who get lung cancer so quite rare and for many years chemotherapy was really the only effective treatment option even the role of surgery is very controversial um, and then a couple of years ago immunotherapy made its way into mesothelioma as well with a trial comparing chemo with two different immunotherapy drugs combined. So it was either two chemo drugs or two immunotherapy drugs. And the immunotherapy did better, uh, particularly with a, a more aggressive variation of, of, of mesothelioma, which was called sarcomatoid. But two immunotherapy drugs together are not so easy. And so often we think immunotherapy is you know, easier than chemo. But when you give two immunotherapy drugs, it's not always the case that you get different side effects. But you know, it was, can be a problem. So Canada led an, an international study, uh, primarily Canada, France, and Italy, looking at chemo plus one immunotherapy drug, in this case, pembrolizumab. It's a combination of drugs that we've been giving now for a number of years in lung cancer and very comfortable with. So for mesothelioma, what happened in the study is half the people got chemo and half the people got chemo plus immunotherapy. There was an earlier part of the study where people just got immuno, but this was the main bit, chemo or chemo plus pembrolizumab. And we were sort of eagerly anticipating the results and, and uh, our colleague and our friend, Dr. Quincy Chu uh, was up on the podium, looking very sharp as well. He was def definitely the best dressed man at that, um, uh, best, uh, at that session, I thought at least, but he's very elegant, elegantly dressed usually. And you should check out his shoes if you ever meet Quincy. He's always got very nice shoes. Anyway, he presented the results of this study, which showed that the chemo plus immunotherapy is better than chemo. And, and it was so that was really nice to see that the patients who have volunteered in Canadians who volunteered to take part in this study have led to, you know, a positive result. And so, you know, if you're listening to this as a patient or as a family member, you know, look for opportunities to get involved in in research because it really can make a difference. To, to be truthful, I was, I was hoping that the chemo and the immunotherapy was going to be better than it was. It was better than chemo, adding the immunotherapy. I was hoping that it was, the, the difference was gonna be a bit bigger than it was, but it certainly is, is, is likely to give us an additional option. So for mesothelioma, that was, uh, that was my highlight. I don't know if uh, Shantanu or, or Parneet, did you take part in that study as well in, in your centers? We had it open here in uh, Winnipeg, uh, led by David Daw, uh, locally here. Okay. Yes. David's, uh, David's a friend of the show. He's been on the podcast before talking about small cell lung cancer, which is really his, his, uh, his area of expertise. Okay, so we've covered early stage lung cancer. We've touched on mesothelioma. So just in closing, because we've been going for We've been going for about half an hour now. Just, just briefly, I'm going to ask if, if you had like sort of one other highlight, or if if not a highlight, something you thought was particularly important. Shantanu, I'll come to you first, and then Parneet, I'll give you the closing 
closing words. So Shantanu, anything else that caught your attention? Um, sure. It's one of the things that uh, that came out uh, at ASCO this year. Um, we talked about uh, EGFR mutations and um, use of drugs like osmertinib, whether it's in a metastatic setting or in the earlier disease uh, setting. We do know, particularly in the metastatic setting with drugs like osmertinib, is that they can stop working at some point in the sense that patients can develop what we call progressive disease. And so the question comes up, you know, what do we do next? And for a variety of reasons, our default has been to uh, go to what we call platinum doublet or using chemotherapy as our next line of treatment. And much of that has come from various data which suggest that immunotherapy drugs perhaps don't work as well in patients who have an EGFR mutation. And so a group actually tested the question of, okay, in patients with EGFR mutations who've progressed on drugs like osimertinib, is the combination of chemotherapy plus immunotherapy better, worse, or, 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 or no different than just chemotherapy alone? And so there was a study called the Keynote 789 study, which randomized patients to just chemotherapy versus chemotherapy plus pembrolizumab. And while there may have been a slight trend towards uh, better outcomes with the addition of immunotherapy, it didn't meet the benchmarks of statistical significance that we would essentially like to see in order to uh, make that change in therapy. I thought it was uh, useful at least to help uh, guide my decision-making for the time being, which is to stick with uh, chemotherapy uh, alone upon sort of that initial progression and then perhaps we still need to explore which patients might uh, benefit from immunotherapy, but that work is still ongoing. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 that was a bit disappointing, wasn't it? I think we've probably been hoping that immunotherapy was going to help in the EGFR population, but it's important to know, isn't it, that if, if it doesn't, that, that it doesn't. Uh, I would highlight, actually, so we just recorded, uh, just before ASCO, I just recorded a podcast with uh, Dr. Natasha Lale, also a friend of the show, and we, she specifically talks in 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 that episode. We're we're really talking about EGFR uh, treatment after osimertinib and what are the options. So maybe I could kind of direct people to listen to that episode too. So I don't want to finish on a negative note. So Parneet, you've picked something which is kind of hope for the future and and potentially a next big thing. Yeah, so I think one of the exciting things at this meeting was the highlights of drugs called antibody drug conjugates. And I think that that's probably the next class of therapies that are going to be approved in lung cancer if I'm going to make my prediction here on this podcast today. So what that is, is an antibody that's targeted to something, a marker that's on the cancer cell, and then it's attached to a chemotherapy, essentially. So it directly injects the chemotherapy to the cancer cell. And one of the class of drugs is targeting something called trope 2. And so we saw some early data on some of the antibody drug conjugates, um, linking it with um, chemotherapy as well as immunotherapy. So quite exciting data early, but there's lots of clinical trials for anyone that's with lung cancer or family member with lung cancer get involved in across the country. So I'm quite excited about that class of drugs in general. Yeah. Yeah. So antibody drug conjugates so they're not just for this trope too there's a whole range aren't there there's ones for 
uh, two mutations and uh, small cell lung cancer there's some in development and all sorts are any of them available Shantanu do you have do you use any antibody drug conjugates yet or, or PONIT in, in lung cancer I should say outside of uh, clinical trials uh, not currently no I think what I'll do is have a special episode where maybe I'll invite you back and we'll because they are um yeah they are so promising well listen up we've got we've gone on for a while here which ring on about our, our favorite topic and we didn't talk about Taylor Swift or or uh nice restaurants or comedy clubs too much let's just sum up like great promise from ASCO osimertinib after surgery immunotherapy after surgery before surgery or maybe before and after all look really good adding immunotherapy to chemo that we learned about adding immunotherapy to chemo for EGFR maybe not so much and then these drug antibody conjugates or antibody drug conjugates looking um looking really promising so like I always say if you've heard something listening to the podcast that you have questions about please reach out to your your healthcare team or check out the Lung Cancer Canada uh, website look for the next episode of Lung Cancer Voices our sort of tri uh, conference series will next be from Singapore for the World Conference on Lung Cancer, which is in September. So we'll have uh, hopefully new updates and new exciting advances then. And thank you for listening. Thanks to our producer, Ryan Mullen. Please send us your feedback, like and follow us on Facebook at LungCan, on Twitter at LungCancer underscore Can, and on Instagram at LungCancerCanada. For more information about lung cancer or to donate, volunteer or share your story, visit our webpage at lungcancercanada.ca.